0: So today, we're going to talk about a very difficult subject because it touches every one of us. And if anybody is here today and says, oh, this is not about me, is I think a little self-delusional. And I'm not here to judge you. I am a co-belligerent in this one, okay? Do you know what a co-belligerent means? It means I'm in it with you. In other words, we're going to talk about worry, anxious, fear, and all the corollaries to that. I think a lot of us have had to deal with this over our lifetime, over the days of the past two years, and even to today. And so, let's talk about it and see what God says. We're going to open in Matthew chapter 6, but I'd like to give some context to this because many times when Jesus uh, spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, there was new material. It was new things that he was talking about. This is not new. What he's talking about here is throughout the whole Bible. Can I give you a couple of things? Back in Deuteronomy, when the children of Israel were heading towards the promised land, there were a lot of uh, tribes and Uh, different groups that didn't want them to proceed. And they were always fighting each other. You know the stories, the various ones there. And they were particularly afraid of one group. And Moses and the Lord is talking. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter 3, it says, but the Lord said to me, the Lord said to Moses, do not fear them, for I have given the king and his people and his land into your hand. And you shall do to him as you did with the king of the Amorites, Okay, that's a command. Do not fear, for I have given this people into your hand. That's a command, like do not be anxious. It's a command, but he follows it with a promise. And this is the beautiful thing. Sometimes when God tells us to do things or not to do things, he doesn't follow it with a promise. But on this issue, of fear and worry, he always follows it with a promise. And this is the promise a few verses later. He says, you shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Do you see that? They may not have been as strong. We don't know the dynamics back then of the Israelites versus the various uh, tribes around them. But it said, it doesn't matter because I'm with you. I am the Lord, I am with you. And the old saying God plus you is a majority, and that is a majority. And he's saying that. Then he goes on at the end of the book of Deuteronomy 31, at the very end of all these battles, he says something that you may even have on your mantle or over a door somewhere. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. These are another group of people. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Command, be strong, be courageous, do not fear, do not dread, because I am with you and I will never leave you. Command, promise. God does not just give the command and leave us out there dry and go, how are we going to do this? Remember in Joshua 1.9, which is right after Deuteronomy 31, it just comes not that much longer after that it might have even been a few weeks afterwards have i not commanded you so here's the command i have commanded you god says to joshua and the people be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed okay this is the command do not fear do not be worried do not have anxiety do not have dread do not be frightened be strong be courageous positive the negative for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that amazing? The Lord your God is with you, with us, wherever we go. So when you're alone, you're really not alone. When you're in that situation alone, you're really not alone. The Lord is with you. And then in the Psalms... If you read the Psalms, and as I told you earlier, I've been reading the Psalms this summer and kind of thought I was going to run through the Psalms, I've been kind of creeping through the Psalms slowly because there's so much there. Psalm 27, a very famous Psalm, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Do you know that Psalm? The Lord is my light and my salvation. The guys and ladies, I think it was all men in this case, but who wrote the Psalms, don't even go into the commands, they go into the answers before the commands. It's interesting, he goes, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Instead of saying, you're not to be afraid because the Lord is my light and my salvation, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, that's the promise. Why am I afraid? Whom shall I fear? Isn't that beautiful? It kind of switches it around. We don't always have to do the command first and then take the promise. Sometimes it's good to take the promise and then understand the command. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. And then he says, of whom shall I be afraid? So right there, the writer of Psalm 27 is telling us that because God is who he is, we can follow his commands. Now, let me just give you one more before we get into uh, the other, and that is Psalm 121. Just write it down. You don't have to look it up. It's one of those well-quoted psalms. This week, I had a funeral. Uh, Our next-door neighbor, Elizabeth and I, and all our kids, we have moved, but for 25 years, we lived just a mile south of here, and we had a great little neighborhood, and everybody lived there, and our kids all grew up together, and all the rest, we moved away. Well, our next-door neighbor died two Sundays ago. Just passed away. I mean, just sitting on his chair, passing away, not anything. And so we did the funeral this week, and most of the people there um, in our neighborhood and his associate were not believers in Jesus. They're just neighbors. And I thought, what can I talk to people about? And I told them and talked about Psalm 121. And it's good for believers, it's good for non-believers. What does it say here? This is the part, we've seen it in movies, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Have you ever heard that said, I'll lift my eyes to the hills? Well, what that means, we never look at the context of this. What was happening is the writer of this was being chased. He was being chased. He was fearful and he's running and he goes, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Why did he say I'll lift my eyes to the hills? Because on the hills were six cities of refuge. They were six cities in and around Israel that were strategically placed just so that everybody, Israel's not that big, right? 70 miles by 30 miles at the most. So those six cities, if you look to the hills and there's a center Uh, group of hills in Israel. So if you're on the Mediterranean side, you can look up. If you're on the Dead Sea side in the Jordan River, you can look up. And you could see at night the hue of those six cities, depending where you live. And they were put there because if you were being chased, you could go to those cities. It was a walled city all six of them, you'd get into that city and nobody could chase you. If you're being chased, get into that city. It was called a city of refuge. I won't get into all the details of how and why and what it was, but they were in the hills. And here this writer says, I will lift my eyes to the cities of refuge, the best place on earth to be if you're being chased. And we go, wow, isn't that great? And then... The King James Version, if you have that version, says, from whence cometh my help, which sounds like my help comes from the hills. But the real point is, it's, the question is, from where does my help come from? Does it come from those hills and those six cities? And what does the writer say right after that? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth." Do you remember that passage? What he's saying here is, lift your eyes to the best thing you can do in a situation when you're worried, look to it, and then just look up a little more, and there's your answer. The maker of heaven and earth. And then he describes, so that's kind of the command that he was giving, he was saying, "'Don't go to the city of refuge, go to the king, of kings who will help you out. Why? He will not let your foot be moved. In other words, the slipping. It's a metaphor here of being chased. And when you're being chased, what do we always see in the movies? When someone's being chased, they slip and fall, right? Right? And then somebody catches them or the wolf catches them and all the beauty and the beast, right? All those things, right? No, your foot will not be moved because the maker of heaven and earth is with you. And then he says and he will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep." This is a beautiful thing. God is 24 seven. If you wanna call me and get some answers, I am not 24 seven. Sorry. You're not 24 seven. He is. And this is how he says it. He goes on and says, The Lord is your keeper, verse 5 of chapter 121, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. We in South Florida, if those of you online are from the north or from other parts of the world, you don't get this, but we get shade. What is shade? Shade is 10 to 15 degrees cooler. If you're in the shade, cooler. You're out of the shade, brutal hot, even in the summer. We have a little shady place in this condo we live in, and when you walk in it, it's breezy and it's cool, not cold, but cool, and then you walk out of it and it's blazing hot again and you're just 10 feet away. Why? Because you're under the shade. And then he describes the shade. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. We get the sun, this is a metaphor, the picture of the sun. What is the sun? The sun are the problems of the day, S-U-N, not S-O-N. The sun are the problems of the day. Am I gonna lose my job? Is my health good? Am I gonna get a job? Am I gonna finish school? The problems I'm having with my partner at work, are they going to resolve? These are the problems of the day, and he will give you shade. But there are also problems of the night. What wakes you up in the middle of the night? And he will give shade to that. That's the problems of anxiety. That's the problems of, well, I have enough money at the end of the month. That's the problems of the future. That's the problems of worrying about grandchildren. Whatever those problems. Do you ever wake up at night, or am I the only one? Does anybody ever wake up worrying? Raise your hand. I got to see if I'm with some co-belligerents here. Yes. Those are the problems of night. The problems of day, we understand, and we, we kind of understand those. But, and we don't get this metaphor because we live in a part of the world where it's always light. You go out in the middle of the night and read because there's so much ambient light. But you go down to Haiti and other places where there's no ambient light, it is dark they you know, we talk about full moon and everything goes bad during full moons. There's some truth to that. You cannot live under a full moon. You have to have shade. That's why they put tents up and they don't, people want tents even just to protect themselves. And the picture is this, God is here to protect us from the problems of the day and the problems of the night because our worries do not stop when we sleep. In fact, sometimes they get worse at night than they are in the day. You're so busy in the day and at night they get worse. So he ends this Psalm with the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. These are promises. If we follow the maker of heaven and earth. These are the promises. He's not gonna let your foot fall. He's gonna give you shade by day, shade by night. He's gonna keep you from the evil one. He's gonna keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. That's everything, isn't it? You're going, you're coming. The Lord is interested in you and takes your interest And it says, from this time forth, forevermore. I believe God is involved in our lives forever. I think he was involved in your life even before you were born, when you were born, all the things. And so if you have tragedies and fears of the past and regrets of the past, God can help you through them. If you have fear of the future and fear of the things of the future, God can help you through them. You do not have to live with medicine. I know I grew up with Rolaids. You guys don't even know, you young people don't even know what Rolaids are anymore. Now they have these fancy things like Zegarid and all this other stuff that you take to help your stomach because my stomach problems growing up was because I was worrier. I was a worrier and God had to deal me with it. Now let's go to the passage, beautiful passage in chapter six, verse 25. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reading And he says, therefore I tell you, verse 25, chapter six, Matthew. Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus, God telling us, do not be anxious about your life. That is the command. We are commanded this. I don't know if you learned this uh, little ditty as a child. I'll see if I can remember it. It was a little, little one of those limericks that they had. Said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. I learned that this big. And it has stayed me my entire life. And it's based on this passage. So what do we learn about this? Can I give you a couple things? It's a story about Clothes, it's a story about flowers, it's, you know, some of these things you go, that doesn't apply to me. Well, it does apply to us. You can put your own story inside of this. This was a story that applied to them. Issues of daily food, issues of clothing, issues of shelter, all these were key issues to those people. And those were the worries of the day and of the night. Your worries may be different. The particulars, might not be the same. And it doesn't matter what the particulars are because your worries are not my worries and my worries are not your worries over here. But worrying and anxiety is still an issue you have to deal with. Can I give you a couple thoughts about this? First of all, number one, if God is the provider, we keep saying that and we sing it every week. Somehow Clay just keeps repeating that theme God provides for us. He uses different words. If God is the provider of life, he will also provide the things in life we need. If God is the provider of life, he will provide the things that we need. Now, what's interesting is what I think I need and what God thinks I need may be two different things. And so we go, my prayers aren't being answered. Well, maybe your prayers are being answered. I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer and you thank God years later that he never answered it. I hope you have, if you you haven't prayed enough, if you haven't prayed a wrong prayer, because I prayed some things and thank God he didn't answer that prayer. Because God knows how to answer the prayers. I've told you this many times and I just remember the prayer I wanted him to answer when our, our son was dying. And I said, God, take me and leave him. Take me and leave him. And that was a prayer God didn't answer. He took him and left me. Someday I'm going to ask God, why did he do that? But in his sovereign will, he chose to take life and death because it's in his hands. I can't understand it. I don't know why. But after the grief went away, I'm not worrying about it. I can't worry about it. Because God made a decision, not me. Let me give you another one. And this is a tough one, and I'm not judging you. I am sitting right there with you. I should be sitting down here. We should have some non-worrier up here. (laughs) What he's really saying is, do you trust the Father? This is ultimately down to the core. Do you trust the Father? Very much like... The first time I needed to jump off the pool, we've all seen those scenes, right? And I grew up in Florida, so for me, it was early. Now we're teaching our grandchildren how to do it. You gotta trust me, I'm down in the water, or my dad was down in the water, I was up here, now I'm in the water, my grandson's up here. You gotta trust me. I trust you, dad, I trust you, granddad, I trust you. Then jump into the water. Jump in, not to the water, but jump into my arms. We say we trust God, we have this incredible trusting language around our belief, but then when the rubber meets the road we go, we don't trust him because we don't practice that trust. Let me just tell you, you've got to trust the Father. It's what it takes. And then as Elizabeth read, just look down to um, verse 33. Seek first, it says, excuse me, I, I read it wrong, but seek first okay instead of being anxious because that's the command the next command is this seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness it's a command command don't be anxious Do not be anxious about your life up in 25. And he goes through everything and everything. And he repeats, therefore, do not be anxious multiple times. That's the theme. And then he gets down to 33. And a lot of times we like to read 33 without reading the previous. So, oh, seek first the kingdom of God. We sing songs about it. We love it. We put it on our, our walls. Hobby Lobby has something about it, I think, as well. And you put it up there and I go, but we're missing the point. It's not seeking the kingdom. First, it's seeking the kingdom over worrying about the kingdom of earth. He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek the worrying of the kingdom of today. Remember, we're in two kingdoms. This is a sermon about two kingdoms, the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying it's very simple, but we take it totally out of context. We say, yeah, let's think about heaven. No, he's saying, let's not worry about today Let's think about heaven. It's not think about heaven without thinking about Earth, it's not worrying about Earth, and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What are all these things? We think it's ask anything and it's going to be given to you. We'll talk about that, I think, either next week or the following week. We're going to talk about the ask, and it will be given you part. but We'll get to that later, but what he's talking about is the things added are the things you're worrying about. This is about worry. This is a context of worry. We think this is a context of God giving us whatever we want. This is not the context of what he's saying here. The context is you're worrying about your children. You're worrying about your grandchildren. You're worrying about your job. You're worrying, and just put dot, 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 whatever it is. You're worrying about that worry about the things of God and let these things be added to you your relationship to God I appreciate the theme you guys had to know God and then to make him known right to know God first thing to know God and make him known and then John 10:10 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full Amazing things. Why well, I cannot have a full life if I'm all worried about it. I'll just have an anxious life. I'll be debilitated by my worries. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, let me take you to another passage real quick. This is so important. This is a sister passage. You don't have to turn there, but if you have it, Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4.6. Now, look up here first. as you Either turn there or don't, but look up here. I have been telling you for weeks and weeks, and those of you who are in my hearing a lot, I say this an awful lot. When you talk about character qualities, good character qualities, trust, forgiveness, generosity, mercy, grace, love, um, goodness, kindness, gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit, whatever, I always say there's four parts to it right? Remember four parts of it. First of all, what does God say about it? What do I think about it? Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I've got to think about what the character is. Then how do I feel about it? What is the heart issue in my life about it? And then what do I do about it? So for instance, and I've shared this many times, I could give you money, which is a good act, but I could do it because I want you to say, you know, think I'm good, right? So I have a bad heart about it. I'm giving it to you, and that's good. I'm giving it to the poor, that's good, but yet I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's not good character, that's a good action, but it's not good character, it's not a character of true generosity, it's a character of more like ego philanthropy. I want you to like me because I gave money to the poor. Do you see the difference? And so all four are important, but I always say them in a very positive way. Let's talk about these positive things. Well, let's look at a negative thing, because character can be negative. There are negative character qualities. If there are positive ones, there has to be negative ones. And worry is a negative character quality. That person is a worrier, you're saying something about their character. So, what is using this grid of four? What does God say? What do I think? How do I feel? What am I doing? Let's talk about worry in that context, can we? From a godly standpoint. From an ungodly, I worry because I'm always thinking bad things and I'm thinking the world's coming apart and I really feel it and I've got these stomach problems and kidney problems, whatever else, and then my actions are whatever they are but I'm talking about good things here. It says here, Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Well, hello, I've been saying that all morning. Elizabeth's been reading it. That is up here. That's what God thinks about worry. What does he think about worry? Do not do it. Stop. Don't be worried. That's what God thinks up here. The verse goes on, though, and says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God says, don't be anxious. What are we to do? Skip the thinking and feeling for a moment. What are we to do with our anxiety? Pray, supplicate just means to really pray. Okay. Supplication has a, it's a uh, a subset of prayer, I won't get into it, but let me just say, that means you're really praying about it. With thanksgiving, underline that. Some of your translations say with gratitude. Can I just tell you something? It is hard to worry about something when you're grateful to God. I'm just telling you, it's hard. You go, what do I need to do? I would say the two things you need to do is pray and be grateful What are the things that God has done in your life that you can be grateful for? Start listing them out. And when you list them out, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God says, give me your worries. Give me your anxiety, but do it in a thankful spirit. Not with the finger pointed at them. I tell you, when the finger points at God, trouble begins for you. I just wouldn't point a finger at God. Some people point fingers at God, that is trouble. But pray openly, pray seriously, pray honestly. God, I am worried about such and such. Pray earnestly, supplicate. But what are the things you can be thankful for? What are the things in your life you can be thankful for? And let your requests be made known to Him. So. What does he think? Don't be worried. What are we to do? We are to pray earnestly, supplicate, sorry, big word, just to pray earnestly with gratitude, with thanksgiving, and we're to let our requests be made known to God. God already knows them. This is more about us than him, but we need to say them out. Because sometimes when we say them out when we're thankful, maybe we can solve our own problems once in a while because the thanksgiving really works. This works also if you're angry at somebody. You can't be thankful for somebody and angry with somebody at the same time. We're not here to talk about anger, that's a whole nother group. I don't want anybody to raise their hand on that one today. (laughs) Verse seven, that's only in one verse, verse six. Verse seven, and the peace of God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts. Wow. Okay. So instead of God, mind, hearts, do, it's God, do, heart. If you follow what God says and you do what he says, your heart will be guarded. This is where worry is, isn't it? Worry is here and worry is here. Worry's not up here. God's not worried. And a lot of times, unless you're really manic, you're not worried with your hands. You're worried in your heart. You're worried in your mind. I really am thinking this through way too much. I'm worried, worried, worried. My heart, my feelings, my emotions, worried, worried, worried. And he says, your heart will be guarded if you pray with thanksgiving about the things you're worried about. So what are we to do with worry? We are to pray with thanksgiving. Let those requests, oh, God wouldn't care about it. Let me tell you. Tell him what you're worried about. Explain it to him. Do it with thanksgiving, and he will guard your heart. He will guard your heart, and, it says at the end, and your minds. You see, the problem with worry is heart and minds, pretty much, not all. People play out their worry sometimes too, but a lot of it's in the heart and mind. And he says here, and the peace of God, so God promises us that we will have peace If we take our worries, pray, be thankful, and then let him be responsible for our heart and our mind. Do you see that? It's a beautiful thing. You go, no, it doesn't work. Just try it for 30 days. Create a habit of it. Create a habit that when you worry, you pray, but don't just pray, pray with thanksgiving. There is a part you have to be thankful for. In other words, you have to think, you know, with that problem you have with that person, is there anything you can be thankful for for that person? Is there anything you can be thankful for with that situation? What is it that I can be thankful for in my life? And then you start going, wow, there's a lot of things I can be thankful for. And you begin to go, God, it's really not as big as I thought, but could you just still handle it? And then he does. And he chooses, because it says here, that the peace of God will come through Christ, it ends in Christ Jesus, to our hearts and to our minds. My friends, you don't have to worry the rest of your life. Some people worried like me when I was a kid, I was a worrier, God gave me some victory over it, I only worry a little, I do worry. Now some of you are saying, Bill, we heard you speak earlier this summer. I did a talk this summer, not, in, not here. I wouldn't do it here. It was, it, was about, it was about the lessons I learned in COVID. I had six lessons I've learned in COVID, and I shared it with a lot of people when I was speaking all spring long as COVID was digressing and all. And one of them was, I said, if you're gonna worry, worry early. Worry early. Well, you're saying, Bill, you're telling us to worry no, what I was saying was if you're gonna worry, deal with it right away. Deal with it early. And I gave an explanation of it. So, those, all of you who heard me say, all of you remember me saying is worry early. If you are gonna worry, worry early and pray. And do with that verse. It's Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. If you forget everything else I said, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. That is the prescription that God gives through Paul, through Christ, about all that occurred in the Old Testament. Now, two things as we come to conclusion on this. There are a lot of big problems in our lives. There's big problems in this world. You can name these big, huge things, both in your life personally, right, and in the world and in your surroundings. Please understand that big things are fixed by little things. We want big things to be fixed by big things. Jesus Christ came to save the world, big thing. But how did he come to save the world? through individual's belief in his son, Jesus Christ, right? God saves us, and it's individual. Later in the sermon, it talks about how narrow the road is, and I won't get into that, but part of the narrowness of it is because we can only come one at a time. 110 people went, eight people came to Christ. To me, that is a victory at camp. You go, why wasn't it 16? Why wasn't it 20? Hello, eight people are in the kingdom of God. The the world is going to change because of those eight people. Now, maybe it may only be eight families. Maybe it may only be eight little things. But you don't know if one of them is going to be another whatever, name them. We don't know. Because God changes the world, the big problems of the world, with little things. And though worry is a big thing in your life, it takes a little thing to change it. And if you allow worry to consume your life, anxiety to consume your life, you will not allow God to use you in the way that he needs to use you because your consumption is with your own worry and not with the things God wants you to do. And God, and I say this with respect to God, God has chosen to need us. He has chosen to use us. He doesn't need us in the sense of he can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use us. And so in that sense, needs us to carry his word, his work, his love, and all the good characteristics we've been talking about earlier in this sermon to do. But you can't do it if you are crippled by worry. If I am crippled, what can I do? God says, he's not gonna let your foot stumble. And the beautiful thing is, and we'll get to this another day, but another Psalm, Psalm 40 says, he, if you are crippled, if you are in the miry clay, if you are in the pit, he's got his hand down and gonna pull you out of the pit and put your foot on solid rock and then put hope in your heart so you get away from the worries. So what kind of worries are we talking about? There are two basic categories of worries. And I brought two buckets And these two buckets, I'm gonna set one here. These are the worries of the past. I wish something had happened. I wish something hadn't happened. You are worried about the past. Has anybody ever worried about the past? I should have done, I could have done. That's the what ifs. What if this had happened, something else would happen? These are those worries. And can I tell you, do not leave this building today, and those of you online, don't leave the couch you are on until you leave those worries of the past, the what ifs, in this bucket. It's a metaphor, it's a picture, and if you wanna write them down and put them in the bucket afterwards, you are welcome to do it, but if not, just mentally throw them up here and leave them here. We'll clean them out tomorrow. And then there are the fears of the future. These are the big fears, the fears of the future. Some of you say, I, don't, I, I have no issue with the past, but I have some big issues with the future. Some of you say, I have no issues with the future. I just got issues with the past. God says, leave these worries behind. Leave them behind because there is so much ahead. And the Bible actually says, today's got enough to deal with. And I think it's a beautiful picture that today is the day God has given us. Today is the, oh, plan for tomorrow and save and do all those things, absolutely. Go to school so you can get a good job. All that stuff is fine. But realize this, God has given you today. God has given me today. What are we doing with today that he's given us? And if I'm consumed with the past, the regrets of the past, either done or not done, the what ifs, or the future, only if something happens, I hope it happens or I hope it doesn't happen, depending on your perspective on something, you will miss what you can do today. And people are walking around this world, Christians, followers of Christ, who are, have an inability to do anything about their following of Christ because they are carrying the weights of the past or the weight of the future. And Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things you are worried about shall pass away. Now, here's the thing. He's not necessarily always going to answer your prayer, and we'll get to this in a couple of weeks. He's not always going to answer your prayer the exact way you pray it. I'm just going to tell you that. That's a spoiler alert. But he is going to answer it. People go, oh, he didn't answer my prayer. Well, he did answer your prayer. I'm a firm believer that God answers prayer. He just doesn't always answer it the way I want it or the exact way I prayed it. And can I say, thank God, he doesn't always answer it the way I want it. That's the key thing. Thank God, he is answering it the way he wants to answer it. And when he does, things can happen. So how do we leave here? You can leave here the way you walked in, worrying, worrying worrying about the past, worrying about the future, worrying about today, worrying about everything, you can do it, go to it, go leave. But let me tell you, I would prefer you to leave it right here, right here. Just come on, leave it here. If you wanna come forward, you go, oh, I'm too embarrassed to come forward. Well, only about half of us raised our hand as worriers. So we have liars and worriers in the room. So we're not gonna, Lying's for another day. Oh, you know, somebody's new, they think I'm a big judge up here, don't they? Think, wow, this pastor's judging me. I don't know, I just, all I do is deal with people my whole life. That's all I do. And let me just say, the people I deal with, you may not be a worrier, you know, may be self-deceived, but okay, so you're one in a million. You won the lotto yesterday, whatever. <laughs> Some of us worry this much, some of us worry we got bucket loads. You need Bill, you don't have a big enough bucket. I know. I couldn't bring the backhoe in and all. But just leave it here. That's all I'm saying. Leave it here. Leave it at your leave it there. Leave it there. If you want to come forward, come forward. We're gonna sing a song in just a minute when I pray. It's about overcoming. It's about overcoming. We need to kind of overcome this thing. Because Five years from now, I'm going to preach this sermon again, or 10 years from now, if I'm still around, or who knows, if God gives me life, and I don't want the same 500 people raising their hand. I'm okay if another 500 people raise their hand, but I want the same 500 people to raise their hand, because we got to work through this, don't we? If not, we're just kind of doing nothing here except coming and singing some songs and hearing about kids having a great week and hearing a good word and having coffee. There's more to this, my friends, and that is this. Do we really trust the Father? Do you trust the Father? Through his Son, Jesus Christ. So first of all, if you're not a believer in Jesus, this doesn't make sense. You can pray all the prayers you want. You're still going to be worrying because you don't have that relationship to God. He'll hear it. But the prayer he wants to answer is the prayer of faith, the prayer of belief. The prayer that says, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus Christ, then you can have a relationship with God the Father. And when you have a relationship to God the Father, everything I said comes into play. The peace of God comes to you. You want the peace of God for salvation first, then the peace of God of living a a good and healthy spiritual life etc that we've been talking about. So if you've never come to Jesus, let's just close our eyes for a moment. If you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, I don't presume in a room this crowded and with hundreds of people watching online that everybody listening to me knows Jesus Christ personally. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. We are sinners. We established that today. You raised your hand. We are all sinners. We get that. God cannot look on sin. He needs a perfect substitution who is Jesus Christ, who came to this earth without the sin, lived on this earth without the sin, and died on a cross to take away our sin. The Bible says, if you believe in him, if you've never done that, just pray that today. Say, Father, I believe in your son, Jesus, to be my savior and to take away my sin. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. Thank you. If you've done that, after we sing this last song, come on forward, there'll be people here that would love to pray with you. And the rest of us who are co-belligerents in this thing, can we walk out of this room in victory leaving our worries, not leaving the issues behind. We still have the issues of whatever the issue is. I'm not saying leave the issue behind, but acknowledge that Jesus Christ, God the Father, will be with us in answering those issues. Take the issue with you, but don't take the worry with you. Take the answer with you. And if you're willing to do that, I want you to stand up right now. I'm standing because I've had to work through this all week. It's like been the most convicting week of my life. I am a worrier, so I've been convicted of my own conversation here. Just stand up. Don't be afraid. It's not an embarrassing thing. If you're not a worrier, seriously, that is great. Let's conquer this thing. And maybe you have conquered it already. And I am so glad you've conquered it. Thank God you've conquered it. And the rest of us, Let's pray this week. And as you pray, just say, Father, help the people that were around me. You may know their name, you may not know their name, but the four or five people that are standing around you, just go, God, would you be with them as they're working through their issues, as I'm working through mine? And let's see us get through these things. Can we do that? We're a community. We come together. Part of community is shared experiences. Some of the shared experiences are negative. Worry is negative. Let's share this and leave it behind. We're going to sing a song in a moment don't leave until the song is over and when we do you can all stand at that point point. and then at the end you can leave and if you'd like to come forward and pray with some of our people they would love to pray with you seriously if you want to if you're a tactile person and you want to write down some of those worries and put it in these buckets they're here they're going to stay just the buckets will be there just put them in and if you Don't want to and just mentally say, I leave them here in this room. Just leave them here in this room and pray that God will give you the peace in your heart and mind that he talks about through his son, Jesus Christ.